number one this morning is where we're looking in chapter number two. Begin of verse number 28. says this, And God blessed them. God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now flip over to chapter number 2 if you would. Verse number 15. The Lord God took the man and He put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. To keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for the day in that you eat of it you will surely die. The Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and all the birds of the heaven, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. And this is the word of the Lord this morning. Again, we have been discussing the idea, the concept, the, that the reason, I should say, we are in the mess we are in as a country, a culture, a society, is that we are failing to honor God with our lives, in our God, in our lives. We are failing to understand and realize that God has created us. That God has designed human beings to live and flourish in certain ways. And, and violating these standards leads inevitably to chaos and confusion. So we've discussed the idea of of understanding, of recognizing that everyone is created in the image of God, of recognizing their value and worth as a person. Understanding that each person has worth in the sight of God. We, we've discussed the idea of marriage, the family, and how God has ordained and designed man and woman to live together in the confines of the marital relationship, how children, how families should be blessed and prospered through the family unit and structure. And how when we do away with these things again, it leads to chaos and destruction. Now today we want to look at something a little bit different, and that is the value of work. That is the value of work because we are living in a day and a time where work no longer has intrinsic value and meaning. The idea of a, of a work ethic is gone. People no longer have the incentive and, and desire to work. Unfortunately, the bank vaults have been opened 
that any restrictions and it allows people to stay home and honestly to, to make more money not working than they are working. Through endless loans, kids are able to go and, and waste inordinate amounts of money on useless college degrees that don't have any purpose. And I'm not saying that college doesn't have a purpose, but you know, studying about green frogs and getting a major in dance is probably not unless you're headed for a ballet or something. But kids waste money on on a lot of things that don't have any purpose and meaning in their life. And they don't understand and see the value and necessity of working, of applying themselves, of making most of their life, the ease at which we can escape reality through our smartphone has enslaved us, has caused us to no longer value a hard day's worth of labor. But the truth is, work is not a curse. It is not a thing that should be scorned. It is not something that we should look down upon. Work is something that should be honored and dignified among humans and especially the church. Work is a gift of God and believe it or not, God has created you and I to work. We should understand that and honor it. As such, God has made you to work. Now, by the way, before I get any further in the message, I want to clarify what I mean by work. Because often we talk about work as in I'm leaving my house and I'm going to work. I'm going to clock in at 9 o'clock at a place of business, a place of employment. However, work is a lot more than just your job. Okay, there's a difference between work and your job. From the very beginning of time, we should and must be working. A baby has work to do. Now, yes, at work is to eat and dirty diapers and cry a lot. That's wonderful, right? But no, they began to work. They, they began to develop motor skills, learn how to walk, learn how to talk, learn how to read. A child works when they're sitting in the classroom and, and they're learning concepts of math and English and so on and so forth. A mother works far harder than all the rest of us combined as she is folding infinite amounts of laundry and making dinner and all this other stuff. A, a retiree, maybe, maybe you're finished going into a place of employment, but still in learning, care for your house, to upkeep your house and shuttling your children, your grandchildren, your spouse, the doctor's appointments, volunteering, whatever you do, these are all aspects and areas of work. All of these are to be looked at as ways to be productive, to add meaning and value and purpose to your life and to the life of someone else. The fact is, from the day you are born until the day you lay your head down for the final time, God's desire is for you to work. 
And we must recover that as a culture, as a society, as a people, if we are to be who God truly wants us to be. And so why do we believe in work? We believe in work, first of all, because God created human beings to work. God created us to work. The reason we as a church, we as the people of God should want to work is simply that God has created us to do that. Contrary to popular opinion, Adam and Eve were not sitting around in the garden doing nothing, sipping iced tea, and and just enjoying a leisurely life. No, we read it there in our text again, verse 28 of chapter 1, God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Subdue the earth. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens. Of course, we understand fruitful, multiply, have children, so on, but also fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it. Rule and reign over this world that God has created. And inherent in that, of course, is the idea of working. Chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man. He put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. Adam was placed in the garden. Again, not to take a leisurely stroll and walk around, but rather to work the garden. You'll be surprised to know this. The Hebrew word that's translated work in my English Bible and ESV, guess what it means? It means to work. It means to toil, to till, to serve. God placed Adam and Eve in the garden to do the work that needed to be done. And part of it, as we read, was the naming of animals. Man gave names to all the livestock. All of these things points to a man who is being productive, a man who is being useful, a man who is doing the work that God had called him to do. Why? Because that is how God has created each and every one of us. He has created us to work. The reason we are created to work is because God is a God who works. The creation narrative of Genesis 1 and 2 are depictions of how God worked in creating the universe. Look at Psalm 8 verse 3. It says this, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and stars which you have set in place. I see the world and how it's created. I realize it is God's handiwork. God is the one who has created this place. In fact, you read through the Bible and you realize there are several times in which God is being described. God is being acknowledged as a worker. In Genesis 2, verse 8, He's he's called a gardener. Psalm 23, He's called a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Jeremiah 18, He's a potter. Matthew 8, He is a physician. Psalm 143, He is a teacher. Isaiah 5, He is a vine dresser. Malachi chapter 3, he is a metal worker. All of these are descriptions, names that are given to God, how he rules and cares and watches over us as his creation, us as his people. And he is seen as a God who is at work. King Solomon, in all his wisdom, wrote this about work in Ecclesiastes 2. 
two, he said, there is nothing better for a person. There's nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This too I saw is from the hand of God. What is seen in these words is the idea that God has placed within us, within our heart, within the DNA, with the psyche of man, the ability that we find enjoyment, that we find purpose in our work. There are very few things more enjoyable in life, more satisfactory in life than standing back from a job and realize it has been accomplished, it has been done well, knowing that we have finished what it is that we started out to do. God has created and designed us to work, but we also know, realize our second point this morning, which is this, at the fall. The fall has placed a curse on our work. The fall has placed a curse on our work because so far everything sounds great, right? We're all going to get out of bed tomorrow morning before the alarm sounds. Going to be excited, ready to go. You're going to show up in the office and you know what's going to happen. That stupid computer is not going to turn on. What you get for having a Windows, I guess? I don't know. That's for Kevin. He's a Mac guy. See, that's, that's what happens. We know what's going to happen. You're going to try to build something and the angles are not going to work. The material is not going to be there. You're going to try to crunch the numbers and enter QuickBooks and the invoices will be missing. The numbers won't add up. They won't mesh together. You're going to go into your classroom tomorrow, all kinds of knowledge ready to share with kids and they're going to decide instead to set the classroom on fire. Not that I ever did that in school, but maybe, no, I didn't. <laughs> the reason for the frustration and the aggravation that we find around work is rooted in the fall. The curse that came as a result of Adam and Eve's transgression against God. Yes, Adam was created and designed to work. We know that he and Eve were working in the garden, but when sin entered the world, part of the curse of sin was the curse God placed on the ground. Genesis chapter 3. God looked at Adam and He said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Verse 18, Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. Verse 19, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Out of it you are taken, for you are dust into dust. You shall return as a result of the curse, as a result of the fall. The ground is cursed. The ground no longer works the way it's supposed to. And now work is done by the back-breaking, sweat-inducing labor of man. It's a result of the fall. Not that Mary and I are getting old, but yesterday she was helping put in floors. She was putting in flooring into our house and I was outside resealing our driveway. Of course, when we got up this morning and she got out of the shower and I actually talked to her, 
first question I had to ask her was, are you feeling okay? Well, I'm a little sore. How about you? Well, I'm okay. I guess I'll be all right. That's the way it is, isn't it? We get up and we work and now we feel the pains. We feel the struggle. We feel the aches, the sweat that comes as a result of our work. In Genesis chapter 5, we read those words. Lamech had lived 182 years. He fathered his son and he called his name Noah saying, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work, from the painful toil of our hands. Lamech's father, Noah's father, Lamech says, out of Noah will be deliverance and the curse of the ground. From the relief, there will be relief from the painful toil that is brought to humanity. Frustration lingers all throughout human history. Droughts, floods, tornadoes, hurricanes. Today we have machines that break down, computer systems that fail. It's all a result of the curse of the fall. And even at times throughout the week, I'll sit here trying to study the Bible, trying to understand what God is saying through His Word so that we can convey it on Sunday. And I'll sit there and look at my Bible and say, what in the world does this mean? Now, is it because I'm not close to God or sinful or carnal? Maybe. But it's just the reality. Work is struggle. It's pain. It's heartache. Again, Ecclesiastes, the writer said, much study is weariness to a flesh, and it, it wears you out. Ecclesiastes chapter number 2, verse 22 says, What has a man from all the toil and all the striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow. His work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. My guess is I could probably get a good show of hands if I asked you how many of you find yourself awake at night trying to solve problems related to your work. Probably more than one of you. Far from speaking out of both sides of his mouth, Solomon the preacher is simply realizing that though our fulfillment purpose is found in working hard, it's found in being fruitful and promoting the welfare of ourselves and our families, it is still frustrating, tiring, exhausting, vexing at times. Work is just that work. Sometimes it's frustrating. So work is hardwired into us as a part of being in the image of God, work is cursed. So what do we do about it? What do we do? How are we supposed to see this thing called work as a result of it being cursed? So that's my last point this morning is this, that we need a biblical view. We need a biblical view about work. We need to understand what it means to be a child of God. And yet also to be a person who works. We know God has created us to work. We know that work is cursed. And yet we know the Bible informs us how we should view this topic. Work is not to be scorned. Work is not to be looked down upon. Nor is work to be worshipped. 
And we'll talk more about that next week. Instead, work should be an opportunity to glorify God, provide for our family, find fulfillment and purpose, use it to further the kingdom of God in this world. Work has a divine purpose for each and every one of us. Let's look at some of these for a moment. First of all, work is the primary method in which we provide for ourselves and those in our care. Work is, should be, is the primary method to which we provide for ourselves. We talked the last few weeks about the value of human life and the fact that God has placed us the family unit, one of the ways we express our love, our care for our family is by working, using our work to meet the needs of our families. In fact, we mentioned it last week in 1 Timothy 5 eight. but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith. Those are harsh words. Those are strong words. I mean, I don't have to get up and say, I can be a Muslim and serve God. No, all you have to do is not provide for your kids, your spouse, your family. You have denied the faith. You are worse than an unbeliever. Look, not just our family, even ourselves. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul said, for even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Are you hungry this morning? There's a good place to go for that. That's the work. Go get a job. Go find something that can bring return for you if you are not willing to provide to do what is necessary paul said you shouldn't even be allowed to eat verse 11 here second thessalonians 3 for we hear that there are some among you who walk in idleness not busy at work but busy bodies busy bodies always about everybody else's business Always trying to tell you what's going on in the political realm, what's going on in the cultural realm, what's going on in the societal realm. People who can tell you the batting average of every Philadelphia Phillies player, and yet they don't have any incentive to go get a job. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly, and earn their own living. Those are harsh words, but they're real words. God has created you to work. And again, this is not a, an indictment against the social security safety net system or whatever. I'm thankful that we have unemployment. When you're not able to find a job, but too many, too many are content to let someone else provide for them. They're not willing to do what they need to do to take care of themselves. Work is a way we can provide ourselves and those another. Secondly, work is a way in which we find fulfillment in life. You find fulfillment 
in life by doing a hard good day's worth of labor. The world that's looking for fulfillment, it's looking for purpose and meaning, we must ask why we don't want to look at the power of work to provide that fulfillment. Why don't we look at the power of work as a factor to why we are so unsatisfied in this world? Again, back to Ecclesiastes chapter number 5. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days that God has given him. For this is his lot. God has only given you a short amount of time. Find your fulfillment, your enjoyment in the work that you can do. Verse 19, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. The fact that you can take satisfaction in a job well done is a gift from God. It is a blessing from God. The fact that you're able to finish a project at your place of employment or at your house or wherever Understand, God has given that to you. I was looking up line a few years ago, 2016, 2017, a major study came out about how young men, young men in particular, were working less and spending more time playing video games. Without going too far in depth, I I think it's sufficient to say that when young men are missing a purpose in life, when young people in general are taught that it's okay to sit around and not work, to not have purpose, to not have a work ethic, it leads to nothing but trouble for them. And yes, full disclosure, our kids play video games. I try to play, but they don't want to play with me because I don't know which button to push and I always mess things up. Because way back in the day, we had Pong and we had Duck Hunt and Super Mario Brothers. Two buttons on a controller. Anybody else remember them good old days? But the point is, kids are wasting hours, and it's not just video games. It's social media and everything else. We're wasting our life away. We're not doing the work that God has called them to do. You may have seen it, but a few years ago, a video went viral. It was an admiral in the Navy. He's given a commencement address, I think, in Texas. And he told the young people graduating college, he said, the best thing you can do, get up every morning and make your bed. Get up and make your bed. Jordan Peterson is famous Canadian psychologist wrote a book called 12 Rules for Life. And one of his rules is this. Get up and clean your room. And he says when you do that, there's, there's a purpose of accomplishment. There's a purpose or there, there's a realization that, hey, I have purpose. I start my room and then maybe it goes somewhere else and, and I could do something a little bit more and more. Why is it that even these guys, and I don't know their hearts or whatever, 
understand this truth and reality, and sometimes we have ignored it. You have to have purpose and meaning, and it only comes. It only comes being willing to work. Work is the way we care for ourselves, our families. We find purpose and fulfillment in life. Number three, work is a way we can serve others. Work is an area and an aspect in which you can serve others. After all, all of us are doing a job, if you have a job, to where you're providing goods, right, that somebody else needs. Somebody's hungry, you're making them a hamburger, or somebody's has a lot of extra money and you're taking it into your bank and loaning it out to somebody else who needs money. All of that is a way that we serve. But it's not just in serving in that area, but it's a way we can serve each other. A way we can reach out to each other. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share. Something to share with anyone in need. Instead of taking, instead of stealing from somebody else, now you should be working so that you can provide for yourself and also give to someone else who needs it. Remember the story of the virtuous woman, Proverbs 31, 15, says these words, She rises while it is yet night, and she provides food for her household. She provides portions for her maidens. She's up before it's dawn. She's working. She's trying to provide for her family. She's trying to, trying to care for the needs of her family and those that are in her employment. Work is a way we provide for ourselves. Work is a way we find fulfillment. Work is a way we serve others. Finally, work is a way we can glorify God. It is a way in which you glorify God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Ever think about that? Our food, our drink, our lives, our work should be a way we glorify God. It honors God. When you work hard, when you do your best, Again, whether it's at a place of employment or around your house or whatever your hands find to do, do it with all of your might. There are in Colossians chapter 3 and 4 and Ephesians 5 and 6 what scholars call the household codes of Paul the Apostle. Rules in which the house, the Christian house, should be governed. Of course, we've talked about them when it comes to marriage and the family. Colossians chapter 3, he goes on to the next thing. He says these words, Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing 
the Lord. Whatever you do, verse 23, work heartedly as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Work not to get the boss's approval. Work because God is watching. Work because you want to hear Him say, well done. You want to hear Him say, good and faithful servant. Ultimately, we understand whether or not the evaluation goes our way, whether or not the promotion comes our way. Ultimately, we understand that what we do on a day-to-day basis in our lives as our work, God is watching and God is looking. He is the one that will say, well done. I realize what a blessing we have to be in this country. Some are in difficult places of work. Some of you are looking for work, a different job. Maybe your job is requiring something that you feel you can in good conscience do or fulfill or whatever. Maybe the work's become too strenuous. You realize that the labor market we are in, that there's probably better job opportunities out there with better pay and so on and so forth. This is not wisdom and direction on what to do. That is something for you to decide. And if it's something you want to talk about, I can try to help you on your own as much as we can. The fact of the matter is, wherever you are, get up. Do the best you can. Work as hard as you can. Do what you can to honor God, to serve God, to love God. Do it with a heart that is pleasing to Him. If God opens a door for you, there's another place, then go. But God has given you this day. God has given you tomorrow. Get up and do what you can. Don't live without any sense of purpose and direction. Let me finish out with a concluding word of caution here to you. And all of our efforts to work, and I hope that you'll walk away this morning understanding that your work matters to God. One thing, though, you must remember, you cannot, you never will, ever in your life, you can work enough to earn salvation. You can't do it. I know I'm looking at people that are hard workers, talk to you I've been around you long enough I know some of you burn the mid-eyed oil you burn the candle both ends whatever phrase you want to use I want you to understand that this morning you cannot earn your salvation through your work in fact Ephesians 2 verse 8 says for by grace you have been saved through faith this is not your own doing it is the gift of God not as a result of works so that you cannot boast. For we are the workmanship of God. God has already done the work in our behalf. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. You see, as a result of what Christ has done in me, now I can work 
in a way that glorifies Him and serves Him, serves my fellow man. God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. Whether your life requires you getting up at the crack of dawn tomorrow or even beginning tonight, this evening, whether you're one of the fortunate ones that can get up and enjoy your cup of coffee tomorrow, and I'll be there like the rest of us schlubs slamming it down as we're heading down 33 at 100 miles an hour. If God has blessed you and you no longer have to clock in somewhere, it's fine. Get up. Do something. Be productive tomorrow. Do some kind of work. I was talking to Harvey and he slipped out already, but he said his neighbor who was in her 60s, several years younger than him, was asking him why he was out there pulling weeds, sitting on a milk crate pulling weeds the other day. It's like, I got to do something. I got to do something. <laughs> Man who knows, God still has purpose and plan for him. God has purpose and plan for you. Find it. Fulfill it. Word to the glory of God. When that day comes, God will say not only to Jonathan and his family, Jessica and all these others that are serving him on the front lines, God would not only say to them, well done, but he will also say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Say, all I did was worked in a factory for 40 years and I did widgets or whatever. Yeah, how many people did you witness to and pray with and pray for? Invite the church through your work. All I did was went to PTA meetings and cooked meals and played Legos. But yeah, look at your children and look what God is doing through their life. It matters to Him. It matters and God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. He is our reward this morning. Let's pray, shall we? Worship team, why don't you come? Again, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, He has done the work on your behalf. He has died on the cross so that you might be forgiven of your sins. Receive, receive the gift of God today. Again, I challenge you. Challenge you not to look down upon anyone who's working, not to despise or think less of somebody who's working by challenging your life to find fulfillment, purpose, and meaning. Find something you can do that your hands can be productive, your hands can be strong. Don't be afraid to give yourself, yes, it's going to wear you out. Yes, you're going to fall in bed tired. You're going to fall in bed knowing you have served the purpose of God in your life for that day. Find that purpose and meaning. God has called none of us to retirement. He's called us to continue to work every day of our lives. The night will come soon enough when we can't work. Let's do what we can. And Father, help us to be a church that works and glorifies you 
that honors you and the things that we do. Lord, again, from the youngest of us are just learning basic motor skills to those who are most senior. It may take a while to get around and get things done. Help us to, to not be afraid to do what you have called us to do. Lord, when that day comes, you will say, well done, good. Faithful servant, enter to the joy of the Lord that we have prepared for you. That's what we want to hear this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand together? Let's close here.